welcome. I want to welcome all the parents, all the individuals that took the time to take on uh, the six-week intensive. Uh, we're going to be sending out a micro-parent positionality profile. And the reason call it micro because it's a select handful of questions that I feel could take some time to explain. And for those that haven't taken the workshop, maybe just dropped into the podcast for the first time and are interested in um, hearing more about the uh, parenting uh, program around teaching children around social justice work and how to do that as a parent at a variety of stages. And a lot of the first class is about just introducing you to the concept of asking better questions, noticing your own blind spots. And we'll, as we go deeper into these programs, we'll get much more thorough and just understanding where you fit and a word we'll use is positionality a lot. And this micro personality is a great place for us to start. Um, so with that, I'm going to get into it. Uh, welcome. And uh, I really want to just start with a couple of key things that oftentimes can be forgotten in this work. And that is that this is our best thinking as of right now. We're going to think of more topics and, and more uh, information as time goes on. Uh, this is 2020. We've done you know, five years of thinking. And I, I'm sure in 10 years of thinking, we'll look back and go, snap, we've came a long way. So I just want to give space that this is the time we're in. And we're always trying to improve, always trying to deepen. And I felt like from, from 10 years ago, we've come a long ways ago, long, long ways. So I just want to appreciate the journey that we're on. So the parenting micro personality questions, you'll receive these questions in a Google Doc or email from the facilitator. But I just want to give it take a little bit of a moment to explain some of the questions and how we can think about them. And I want to clearly state this is an invitation. This is not a, this is the way it has to be. So um, question number one, you don't have to go in this order, but in the context of this particular um, series, this is how it's set up here. When were you first introduced to racism? This is to you, the parent. So you're going back to your childhood, you're going back to early parts of your life and just recognizing when did you start becoming aware of racism? Maybe it was a couple of years ago, maybe it was when you were very young, but just trying to examine your life and say, huh, when did I get introduced and what was that like? Was it my parent, was it my school, was it media, was it all the above? And, and how could you remember yourself receiving that information about you being different or black people being inferior or whatever the you know, people of color around you are. Um, we talk a lot about black folks because I'm African heritage and the folks that we're um, helping notice here in this conversation is race, um, is, is African heritage. So I just want to name that these questions are coming from my lane. But if you have other indigenous and BIPOC folks that are in your community, it's, this definitely applies with them as well. Um, number two, what are ways that you dominate black bodies for your safety and for your family's safety? This question probably requires the most explaining only because I could imagine when I said the word dominate, we might get really like um, polarized or fix it on the word dominate, but it's an important word, but I want to explain it a little bit more here. There are so many ways to dominate black people in America and how we have oftentimes been dominated. And some of it's not even, it's not even recognized as domination. But I, I remember I was teaching a, another workshop where we were talking to a person and I said, what is, um, what are ways that you uh, want to dominate black bodies for your own safety? And they're like, I'm a small, petite person. I don't have a lot of strength to dominate. And they slowed it down and they go, oh, snap. Oh, I see, I, I dominate. There's an expectation that they were more intelligent than African heritage folks, no matter who they were. 
there was this clear belief that they were more intelligent, that they had more power. So this is a good example that when we say dominate, we're not just talking about physical strength. We're just not talking about economics. Those all can qualify. But there's subtle ways. Neighborhoods you move into can promote domination. Uh, States you may live in can promote domination. And you might feel safe in those environments because there's a dominant attitude towards black folks, that black folks are quote unquote in control if they're going to be in your neighborhood, um, that, that you have your personality is celebrated, not tracked as well, not monitored. So when you're not monitored, that really puts a, a domination um, privilege in your personality, depending on where you are. Um, I, I remember very dis- distinctly, um, I was in a, a neighborhood teaching a social justice workshop, surprise, in the living room. And I packed myself a dinner, me and my co-facilitator, Portia, my cousin, and we're sitting in the car, eating our dinner, out in front of the house that we just taught, social justice workshop, and someone saw us and called the police. And the police came and knocked on our window, put the lights in our face, and asked us what we were doing. We said we were finished up our dinner. He was pretty aggressive, but kind of like that dominant white police officer aggression, like um, something effective, like, are you done? You know, really, really dominant. The question wasn't like, oh, take your time, finish up your dinner. It was like, finish up your dinner and get on out of our neighborhood. But there is a positionality in that neighborhood of, if you're a black person, eating with the, 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 the lamp light on in your car so people can see your race, that most likely they will call the cops on you. It was a pretty nice neighborhood. It was in Redlands, California. And I share that story not to bash Redlands. There's thousands of neighborhoods um, that this would happen in, but there's a way that when you live in that neighborhood, there's an assumption that if you're black, it's a high reason, it's a high chance you shouldn't be there. It's a high chance I can just make a phone call and an officer will, will escort you out of the neighborhood, not because you did anything wrong. I had all kind of rights to be there and I'd have to be escorted out or whatever, but I said, yes, sir, like I want out of there. Um, and I say that because this is not a light, this is unfortunate, it's not the, the last time or the first time the cops have been called on me. But there's a way in which domination is in place that um, is surprising when we start to examine this topic and slow it down how many times we feel as maybe you might feel as a white person that you can just, oh yeah, I could just call. I could just use my voice and control this entire situation. And that person, based on their ethnicity, based on the economic, based on all that, they're, they're going to be at a disadvantage already. So I say that not lightly, but the domination question, I really want you all not to just kick it out of your system right away. Take some time with it. I'll move on to number three here. Number three is, what is your ideal black person for your family? I know, this is another unfair question, and I think your gut response, we've asked this question to about a couple hundred people now, is you want to kick it out of your system. You're like, oh my God, can I raise this question? This question is really essential. What is the ideal black person, or we can use African heritage person, for your family? This is a really critical question. This is actually a, a sister question to what is your ideal black person. We added families because this is for the family workshop. But I find that if we ask the first, you know, the, the, the sister of this question first and say, um, what is your personal ideal black person? You might be like, I don't have an ideal. I love all black people. I feel you. Appreciate the, 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 the energy here. But in America, we have an ideal black person. And oftentimes you have been conditioned through media, through a variety of, of platforms and environments you may live in that say this kind of black person you have attention for. This particular trauma story of African heritage folks you don't have attention for. 
and we see this acted out in a thousand different ways. So before you take the question now, understand, examine, you don't have to. I think this question is best set up. The setup of this question is best set up by what is your so this is like this get work for black folks, but in this particular podcast and and, and, and part of this workshop, this is for white folks to hold. What is your ideal black person? Who do you feel safest with? And then you expand it to your family. That might change dramatically. You might feel safer, but then you add your child and your husband or your wife or your partner, whoever it is, into the family. Good. Well, how's your family feel? I, I don't know how many times. I have uh, worked mostly with white women where they have, they have this large spectrum of black people they can be close to. And then you add their husband to it, and that thing is zeroed down to almost a much more narrow lens. But their partner cannot hold the same thing that their wife is holding. Or does it feel safe or feels threatened or just because they have a particular trauma so they haven't been tracking. And this is really dangerous too for white folks not to be aware of because you know, there's an expansion, a whole topic on this particular question that can be examined. And one of them is, if if you are not aware of your family's ideal black person and, and you just focus on what you can hold and you invite somebody into your community, you invite someone into your job or whatever power dynamic you may have and they come into your home, it's a possibility this can get really dangerous real fast, emotionally, physically, or all of the above. I had a friend in high school who's mixed heritage but white passing invited me to come to her house to a photo shoot. Her husband was racist, racist as chunk, like scary racist. He was huge. And she was so excited about this family portrait that I was gifting out to the community back when I did photography, family portraits, that when I came, she didn't even tracked the fact that she, her husband was not only terrified but threatened me to come into this house to do the family portrait. Now, it worked out, and another time I'd share the whole story of how it went, but it could have went a lot a lot more dangerous for all of us if, if he didn't calm down towards the end of the photo shoot. But I say that because she did not track the ideal black person for her family. She didn't realize by asking a dark-skinned high school friend of hers to come into her home that her husband would feel so threatened. Because all she was thinking about was how wonderful her relationship was with me and how she trusted me. She didn't track her own husband's trauma story. I don't know how many times this happens with, with daughters and families that, you know, date a black guy and bring him home. I have no clue. Their parents are going to freak out. It happens all the time. So this question, I recommend you sit with. You sit with this question, white folks. Because I can guarantee you if one white person really sits with this question, this can change the entire reality of their family, uh, their whole experience and taking on race and the journey of how they want to raise their child. Because oftentimes children outpace their parents and what they can hold as far as African heritage folks and, and race and racism. So don't get outpaced by your child. Let's get ahead of the trauma here. I'll pause there. There's a whole lot. It's probably a whole podcast series on ideal black person we can do at some point. But for this training program, it's going to just speak to that question of how you can maybe hold that. What is the ideal black person for your family? All right, number four. How do you hear and hold black stories? This is so important. And I, I share this because I've gone to homes that have Black Lives Matters posted in front of their house and they have places where they've gone to marches. They've even given donations and all that's appreciated. But once you go inside into the room, there's there's no actual model inside the home uh, shown to the child. And I understand this is a lot easier said than done, hence why we have this program, this six-week intensive program of, of how to you know, deal with race, talk about race, teach race to your child in the white controlled space. 
but they don't even notice it. They don't even notice that their child that doesn't even know how to hold black stories, has not had any kind of black time, no black stories that have been curated and kind of put in the propaganda of Hollywood. I'm not saying all Hollywood movies about blackness is bad, but you gotta be careful, very careful about how you consume black folks in the Hollywood narrative. But there's no actual authentic holding. So how does your story, how does your family hold the stories, the news stories, the the carnage of, of Black Lives Matters being put onto the internet? Right? How does your family hold that? How does a five-year-old, 10-year-old, 15-year-old, how do they hold that? So these are big questions. So my uh, my micro is getting a little low here, so we're going to pause the podcast here pretty quick. I'm going to try and get in a couple more questions here, though. Um, the other question here is, how do you hold black stories? You got that one number five. This is the last question of the micro, micro personality profile. And that is, when do you when were you introduced to shame in your family? And when do you think your child will be introduced to shame in their minds and bodies? And and that question actually can be written a little differently. I actually might modify that now I'm reading it out loud. Um, is when were you as a person when you were growing up, when were you introduced to shame? Um, when you were growing up in your personal family. And then when do you think shame is going to be introduced to your child in their mind and their body because this is a building block of trauma that can be released in eight different ways a thousand different ways if your child is constantly being introduced to shame because when you're talking about dismantling racism in your family and your social dynamics of growing up in a white controlled space i don't know how many times shame has interrupted good work white folks are getting ready to do around race um, and it starts early so I would first examine, number five is, when were you as a child, the parent? Examine the parent first. When was the parent or you first introduced to shame in your mind and body? And when do you think shame will be introduced to your child into their mind and body? What age, what circumstances, where are you most likely going to maybe use shame as a tool either accidentally or indirectly on your child? And how can that manifest over years? into how your child may be able to show up for this work, social justice work. So that's our micro personality profile. I hope that you are able to answer it, stay with this podcast and use it as a tool to know our best thinking on this micro personality profile. And there's a list of questions that you all asked us at the top of the workshop. And once you answer these five questions, actually like six questions, once you answer them, then I would love for you to go back to the questions you asked us. And based on your personality, are you able to say, hmm, one of the questions was, how do I talk to my child about police? Once you have answers to all this information, we can link the gap of, okay, I'm talking to my child about police and I have a lot of shame. I'm gonna make sure I disrupt the shame piece. If I'm gonna talk to my child about police and, and we have an idea of our ideal black person, we can really have to be informed and say, oh, as a family, we can't hold these kind of black folks really well because as a, family, as a parent, I'm, I'm afraid of this kind of black person. And so I, I will oftentimes be likely to be dangerous to a black person that shows up in this kind of personality or shows up in this kind of trauma story in, in near our family. Because I'm, I'm afraid of my family. I can understand there's ways that can make sense uh, to protect your family, but there's a way which you can really talk about, really articulate things deeper about the questions you are asking once you have filled out these five questions. All right. We'll talk more about this on our last class uh, of the intensive, but I really want to just give this podcast as a little helping tool to help you think the best um, that we can as we take on these big topics. Much love to you all. And I
have a little more seeing you all in the workshop.